Okay, we're gonna knock this down as quickly as possible. I did a Black Sabbath sort of roundup. Tried to do the Ozzy albums because he's Ozzy Osbourne announced his retirement. But I I wouldn't be um a true audiophile metalhead musician, multi instrumentalist, composer. I wouldn't be anything pertaining to music if I didn't also include Led Zeppelin in the same stretch as the Black Sabbath. I think they they are the two bands that sort of round themselves out the most when it comes to hard rock and heavy metal. Um, obviously, Black Sabbath's far more in the heavy metal direction, and Zeppelin is far more in the hard rock direction. But really, there's a tremendous overlap, and to most people, there's ostensibly the same genre. Now, these albums are some of my favorite albums in the entire world of all time, and all gal probably all galaxies that have music. Um, these would still be some of the best. Maybe not. Maybe there's a galaxy out there that has unearthly music that just you know soars into the to the into the divine and you know and sears the firmament asunder. But yeah, um, I have a, I, as a teenager, I developed a very strong passion for commemoration of Led Zeppelin songs, the songwriting, the lyricism, right? Also the composition, you know, the chord structure, the, the melodic the the harmonics and melody um even the rhythm with bonham is and is a mainstay and obviously he's supported excellently by john paul jones who really supports everyone but he supports bonham um like sort of two peas in the pod anyway so starting out let's do led zeppelin one this isn't going to be too tough i think s i think led zeppelin one is like like, a, like some people view the Beatles' earlier work, Revolver, Rubber Soul, let's say, Help. You know, I think that this is sort of beats out all that. I think this Led Zeppelin one, every track is killer. Every track has panache and punch and pizzazz. Every track is sings a song that's meaningful to me. Maybe in maybe in some in a somewhat demented layer level. You know, it, it hits me in a way that it possibly shouldn't but i think that the creepiness aside the 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 the, the, the what the, the eight or ten or so tracks maybe more i don't know but i thought 10 maybe it's eight maybe it's 12 good times bad times you know um your time is gonna come uh how many more times a lot of songs about time right days and confused um was it Black Country Woman or is it um Prony or Stomp? Anyway. Communication breakdown, right? Oh, so many good tracks in Lens Zeppelin One. It's not my favorite album, probably, but it's it's probably my second favorite or third favorite. It's on the higher level. It's an S for sure. The only one that probably exceeds it for me that I can name right now is Lens Zeppelin Two, which has all the energy of Led Zeppelin 1, but has so much more passion and fieriness and storm and vim and vigor. I mean, Led Zeppelin 1, don't get me wrong, it's very cool and collected and gruff and energy and, high and, and, and punchy, but it doesn't have the maelstrom sort of pyromania that Led Zeppelin 2 has. Led Zeppelin 2 really feels like 
Led Zeppelin One seems like it's almost like a blues album where he's mad, or Plant, or singer Robert Plant's mad at his girlfriend, writes an album to get back at her. But Led Zeppelin Two is almost like the album that he writes to sort of brag about his success in the aftermath, and he sort of pities her, but he still has some amount of feeling of resentment towards her. And he gets back at her still with Led Zeppelin too, but he's also sort of coating it with, with sugarcoating it with this sort of self-glorifying lyricism. Um, you know, obviously you have a whole lot of love. You have um, What Is and What Should Never Be. You have um, Thank You. It's probably the best song on the album. You have uh, the end, of course. You have uh, you have the, you have the lemon song. Um, you have uh, I mean, you have that bluesy one at the end. That's not that good, but you know, people who don't like Zeppelin tend to like that one. If anything, but I I don't think it's the best one. It doesn't close out the album that great, but it's still the whole album is killer. Um, I'm probably missing something. Uh, Moby Dick's on here? I think Moby Dick's on here, too. Um, next one up. Physical Graffiti. S. My favorite double album of all time. If Led Zeppelin 2 is my favorite album of all time, I think Physical Graffiti is probably my favorite double album. Which is slightly, slightly more embarrassing, but it's still... I mean, it's got a... Down by the seaside, the rover in the light. Um, Ten years gone. What else can I say? The crunch, I believe. Anyway, if you don't like it, those four songs plus maybe the crunch or, or whatever, whatever the I don't, those four songs by themselves are better than so many Beatles albums. That it's just it's 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 asinine even to really draw lines in the sand. Because you know, you know who's who's really the you know who the real deal is. You know, um, this one up next is a disappointment. This is their last album, the Coda, or its presence. I mean, Coda was a was a posthumous Coda release or whatever. But this one's called Presence. This one has like what T for one and hot dog and I don't know. It's it was it was sort of weird. I would give it a B, maybe. I'll give it a C, just because giving it a B confuses you. Like, I think a lot of the Sabbath, the later Sabbath albums fall in the B pretty squarely. But I wouldn't even call this album, like, a square album. This album is just sort of confusing. So I'd give it a C. It's too. Con it's got the same sort of quality as the square Sabbath, uh, Tony Martin not even Tony Martin, but like worse than Tony Martin. Like the worst Sabbath albums you can think of would probably be. But this would be that. But it's just so weird that I have to demote it to like a C plus, just because of how convoluted the lyricism is, and really the music too. I mean, I like the instrumental stuff, but in here it's it, just kind of all over the place. From from what I recollect, it has no real cohesion as an album. It's sort of a a, a a motley crew of medley and awkward fanfare okay Led Zeppelin 2 sorry this is 3 I know that um, Led Zeppelin 3 is not their strongest album 
but it does have excellent, excellent songs. It's um, probably the best. It's probably the worst of the best. That along with Houses of the Holy, which I would also say is an A, not an S. But Houses of the Holy, like Led Zeppelin three, has is is has a lot of miscellaneous sort of genres peppered in. Like Led Zeppelin three has like some folky acoustic stuff, like Brawny or Stomp, I believe. It has, um, that's it. That one song, um, it's got Friends, I know. It's got that one song, Hats Off to Roy Harper. It's got, uh, these songs are kind of intriguing and trippy and sort of outlandish and foresty and I, I, somewhat mystical, but also just sort of somewhat janky. I, I, don't, I can't really pin a lid on it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're, all, they're, all, they're all kind of fair weather songs. I don't listen to them. Uh, to get juiced up, but I do find them kind of pleasant. Um, they're not bad. Uh, in fact, what's what's the what's that one song on Led Zeppelin three that is very tender and it's about some sort of heartbreak or death or so a girl dies? Folk rock. That's the word. It's a folk rock album in a lot of in a lot of ways. Uh, that's the way. Beautiful, beautiful song. That that's the way. So Led Zeppelin three is an easy A. I wouldn't say S, but I just think they're they're sort of sort of mush, sort of mushy with the folk rock influences being sort of um, screwed onto it. Uh, Houses of the Holy is an entirely separate um, cavalcade of songs, no, not really folk rock, but I mean you have you have uh, Over the Hills and Far Away, which is probably the song that got me and that sold me on Led Zeppelin in the first place. So Houses of the Holy has its role. I think Houses of the Holy is actually a, a good, um, you know, uh, what's it called? It's a good uh, baptism by fire album. It's got Song Remains the Same, No Quarter, Jer Maker, um, I think The Crunch is the one. It's got The Ocean, and it's got Over the Hills and Far Away, not something else. And all those songs, they don't sound alike. They're all very generically, which means in terms of genre. They're, they're, they're very different in terms of genre. Uh, it's almost an experimental album. It's almost like a, a prog rock album. Um, maybe the first one you could really call prog rock that Zeppelin did, and possibly even the last. Uh, House of the Holy is maybe it tries to be too intelligent, but I do think it is a scintillating example of the sort of the variety that they could sort of shit out if they had to. And if you're really trying to learn everything about Zeppelin but don't know where to start, House of the Holy is just a great baptism by fire because you can, you can kind of get the extremes in one, one shot without having to sort of, you know, pilfer through all the other, you know, songs in the catalog or albums or whatever, however you do it in this day and age. Um, I would imagine more songs than albums. Um, next one up is In Through the Outdoor. Enter the Outdoor is a clever album. It's not. It's a B album. It's got some pretty cool songs. 
you know, what's the one? Um, what's the one that? Um, All my love and fool in the rain. Um, but for in the evening is okay. I mean, a lot of them are okay. I. It's a very, it's a very sort of dainty poignant album it's not um a mainstay album it doesn't it's not a hard it's not a heavy lifter a hard hitter it doesn't really you know um, foot the bill so much but it's it's sort of their last good album and it is a good album and if you if you don't think it's a good album you're wrong but i just i, I can't give it more than a b because it's it's like a b plus plus Maybe an A minus. Maybe I'll give it an A minus out of my sheer love for this band. Okay, up next. Um, this one's S. This is Led Zeppelin IV. This is their highest selling album. Is it their best album? I think it is their most representative of what they accomplished as a band in terms of their folk rock merging with heavy, early heavy metal, merging with sort of gothic music, merging with sort of um, medieval sort of soundscapes. I think it kind of accomplished that sort of dungeon synth um, rock and roll seesaw act, stage act that they were doing. Um, I, that rock and roll dungeon synth seesaw stage act you know, that sort of that dialectic that synthesizes those two interweaving snakes, right, that make Led Zeppelin. I think this album typifies it. And um, you obviously you have their most well-known song. Um, where's Cash? It was Cashmere on... Just just before I get into Led Zeppelin IV's track list, it was Cashmere on... On in was on physical graffiti. Yeah. Okay. So another the, the main song that you would need to know from physical graffiti is Cashmere, um, but the other four I mentioned were were still banger. Um, it's like you don't even need Cashmere for that out for for physical graffiti to be one of the best albums of all time, if not, you know, very like a shining star example of the best album and debatably one of them, debatably the the best. I mean, anyway, without. You know, losing all the threads. Um, Led Zeppelin Four. Let me just look up the track list for Led Zeppelin Four. I I know it's got the Battle of Evermore and it's got uh, um, Black Dog and it's got um, uh, Misty Mountain Hop and Stairway to Heaven. You know, is their most famous song probably ever. Their most their most important song in some sense. Although not not the easiest one to listen to um, over and over again, Force Fix is, is an incredible. Um, oh, I didn't realize Down by the Seaside was the same session, so that's that's really telling. Okay, Down by the Seaside is is on uh, Physical Graffiti, but it was the same session as Led Zeppelin Four, which makes sense. They do sound. Um, interweavable you know they sound like they have spiritually because led zeppelin 4 the thing to know about it was that 
Jimmy Page, the guitarist and producer for Zeppelin at this time, and the founder of Led Zeppelin, really, he um he bought a, an estate called Headley Grange, which is really just a, a large country house. Um, and for whatever reason, it had some historical value, but he bought it and then he recorded the album in Headley Grange. And I think it was rumored to be haunted. But anyway, whether it was haunted or not, they um, recorded this whole album in there rather than doing it in, in like a major studio outfit recording. Um, they're like, you know, because for some reason, for some re- for reasons I'm not quite sure about, um, I think he just. He thought the acoustics obviously would be way, way more um, intimate um, doing it in an old building rather than in the middle of nowhere, rather than doing it in some like, you know, sexed up sort of bullshit project studio that, that had been like trampled on by everyone who came before them. So this was an original sort of recording studio situation. And the music does sound extremely intimate and anything you would pl- apparently from interviews what I've heard is that anything that you would hear that they would play in Headley Grange would just like, like the whole, the whole, you could, the, the whole, the whole room would light up, you know, just like you could play anything and it would sound way cooler and way more magical than it would in, um, possibly, um, mystical is a better word, way more mystical than it would uh, anywhere else that they were, you know, used to recording. Now, why they stopped recording there, I'm not quite sure. It seemed like it was a pretty good idea, but they didn't keep recording there at this cottage. So, uh, going to California, right. Rock and roll, of course. Of course. When the levee breaks. Oh, excellent. Memphis, um, many. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense that she would have wrote the lyrics. Um... Yeah, it's an it's it's a it's an it's a it's an amazing album, and that it had received overwhelming praise from critics, which is kind of crazy because when the critics ever give something overwhelming praise, but they uniformly like this album apparently. Um, I I I just don't understand why it hasn't been um replicated. Yeah, uh, Rhodes Piano, well, that's always good. I would like to buy or purchase a Rhodes Piano, but they're quite expensive, and they don't make them like they used to. You have to buy an old one. It makes it more expensive. I'm trying to figure out what happened to this, the recording studio. But anyway. All these songs are, like, amazing, and they're all sort of... You can read you can read you know, the stories of how they came about. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I I kind of um
airport conventions, the Battle of Evermore provides the only female voice to be heard on a Led Zeppelin recording, which is a duet between Sandy Denny from Fairport Convention and Robert Plant. And it was inspired by a reading about the Scottish Independence Wars. And it was written by Paige on the Mandolin. That might be my favorite song on Led Zeppelin Four. really, is the Battle of Evermore. Because it represents the intrigue of Europeanism and European, which is European history. And history is, is delineated by military um, strife and accomplishment, the feats of the armies. And the Battle of Evermore is the only song by major British rock band from this time that really kind of projected that sort of intrigue into music, popular music. Um, and that's also, I think, it's sort of the lynch. For me, it's the linchpin for this album. It's not, this album stands alone without the Battle of Evermore, but the Battle of Evermore is what makes this album feel like a British powerhouse album rather than like a, like a, you know, an electric blues rock British album that was sort of really, really cool and ambitious. The Battle of Evermore kind of adds in a sort of European touch, a tinge of sort of, old world culture to it and i guess you could say the stairway to heaven does that as well but stairway to heaven is so cryptic and unabashedly sort of um um like christian and it takes away the uh the historicism and i guess the combination of that and evermore stairway to heaven and evermore make it of a squarely european seeming album which both round out the album to be something beyond just rock and roll at its finest, but it ends up being something kind of global in its um, ambition, more, um, you know, European and American rather than and more British and Anglophonic rather than just American or British or European or whatever it is. And there's something, something, there's this majesty of the Imperium sort of evoked by it, but also an awareness for the country, which is sort of an enduring fancy in, um, in, uh, British, early British hard rock and heavy metal. Anyway, at 22 minutes and 45 seconds or so. I do. I need to learn about this Sandy Denny person. I didn't. I, she had a lot of influence on this album. And um, the other thing to know about this album is they came. The members of the band came up with symbols for themselves, which added to like the sort of the occult mysticism behind Led Zeppelin that was like sort of never really there, um, but was kind of building slowly. And then once they had added these symbols that they all customized for themselves, the band like sort of took on this aura of like divinity or godliness which is all bullshit but it was just that was part of the ultra aesthetic and again that really ties into the sort of deep european roots that, that led zeppelin 4 was sort of hitting into and also physical graffiti um was was uh physical graffiti also ties ties into that too so I think Led Zeppelin 4 and Physical Graffiti could kind of be seen as part one, part two of the distillation of what Led Zeppelin is. 
Whereas all the other albums, all the other albums are are sort of sexed up blues rock, probably blues rock at its finest ever. Uh, like, you know, Since I've Been Loving You is Led Zeppelin 3. It's an amazing, amazing song, but it doesn't really feel like it's doing Britain a service. It feels like it's more just, you know, playing to the charts. But when you have Led Zeppelin 4 and Physical Graffiti, it really starts to feel like music it has, 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 a, has a providence or a pastoralism that had never really been done in this genre before. Not, 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 not heavy metal at least. Um, so that's their claim to fame. They kind of kicked Zeppelin combined unusual styles and did so rather seamlessly. Um, and maybe entirely seamlessly. And they perfected their own identity by merging styles in a way that hasn't, that's always been admired, but has never really been replicated. So that's my note, 25 minutes and the legacy of Led Zeppelin, the legend that never dies, the band that could combine the most unlikely genres, folk music and metal. And they did it. I don't, I, I don't, don't, I mean, I guess, I guess you're some bands that tried and failed like Uriah Heep. Uriah Heep does that same thing, but they don't really do it do it they sort of jokingly do it but Led Zeppelin actually did and that's the crazy part oh so th that's why they're some of my heroes three of them are still alive and also John Bond who died in 1980 some of my uh, all-time favorite musical heroes and cultural good night and good luck 26 minutes to, to top it off Ciao.